and we came back about a year ago, right? And back on March 30th, I had a spine surgery. It was a full spinal fusion from um, like the top of my neck down to about my pelvis. It was a pretty big spine surgery. I was born with a deformity that made me kind of hunch over. And it was starting to affect my breathing. And we decided that it was time to have it fixed. And it was a very hard surgery. I don't really remember a lot of it from the drugs. But <laughs> I do remember um, my Aunt Nancy and Tommy Dale, Uncle Tommy Dale, that came to the hospital at Brooks, and they stayed with me, and Mr. Mark Stevens came and visited me. And um, I know Brother Johnny came and sat with my mom while I was under the surgery. And that just means the, whole, the entire world to me that y'all would come and support me and my family during this hard time. And the surgery went great. Uh, it was supposed to last 12 hours. It only lasted seven. And I was supposed to have a, several blood transfusions is what they told me that I was going to have. But I ended up having none. And the surgeon, he fixed my back the best he could. And... He cut the degrees about in half. It was at a 98-degree curve, and now it is at a 45. So it's within normal range. And I'm feeling a lot better. I'm breathing a lot better. And I hope to be playing up here with the orchestra soon. Amen. I, I don't want to hug him. I don't want to hug him too tight. He's still in recovery. To, to, to let you know just how severe this surgery is, listen to this, folks. This is incredible. Actually, how, how, how much did you grow? How, how many inches did you increase from that surgery? Probably four, four and a half inches. He grew four inches because he was able to straighten his back out. Is that not incredible or not? Wow. God's good. And, and actually, I thank God. He does hear our prayers. And things went so very well. And actually, it's good to have you with us, buddy. We're looking forward to that, that, that music he's going to play. Folks, God's good. Boy, these graduating seniors to see what God's doing through Baxley's life. Folks, we serve a God that does care about every need we have. And um, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be fellowshipping with one another. Let's all stand, greet each other in the name of Jesus.
Hey, Glenn, transpose it back <laughs> if you hadn't already. If you'd return to your seats now, we'll continue in, in worship.
Wow. Father, we love you, Lord and God. We pray now as you continue on and we continue on in this service as we open your word and, and God examine, dear Father, the, the very words of life, that God, that you would just um, bless this place, first of all, with your presence. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just feel this place for your glory. Touch every life, Lord. Touch every heart. You know every need, dear Father. Bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you, if you would, to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Today, as, as we recognize our seniors, and uh, I pray through God, where would you have me to go? And um, Miss Wanasu had shared with them a, a verse this morning that, that probably is just one of my favorite verses and one of my favorite sections of all of Scripture in Philippians, where the Apostle Paul writes these words, I press toward the marker for the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And folks, that's what life is. It's a, it's, a, it's a discipline of continued pressing forward, no matter what the world may send our ways, because folks, there's something so much better awaiting each of us. And graduates, I encourage you to think about that, that, that the pressing forward for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus Our Lord has so much more for you, and just keep pushing on and keep pushing on. But a verse that God continued to to put on my mind about a a gentleman that did press on, his name was Moses. And we find a a small passage about him that, that the writer of Hebrews wrote years later as he was teaching about faith. And, And the best way to teach about something is to give examples. And he gave what we would know as the hall of, kind of the hall of fame of faith as he used person after person after person to show that how they live their life by faith, to give an example, if they can do it, we can do it also. And I love what was said about this man by the name of Moses. And I pray today as we look at this because um, that, that, that God would just touch your heart and, and, and stir your heart, graduates. And, and this is not only for graduates, this is for all of us. Today we're going to be looking at the subject matter, the greater reward. The greater reward. That's one thing that you find the book of Hebrews is about. It's about greater things. That Christ is, was, was greater than the angels. He was greater than the prophets. That Christ was, was, was greater than the, the Levitical law. He was the greater sacrifice. He was the greater high priest. And folks, if we come to understand that he has a greater reward for us, and that's what I want us to stop and to think about as, as we study this, the life of Moses today. I think there's no better example that Moses strove, pressed for the greater things. Oh, dear graduates, let me just challenge you today. Never Settle for the good when the better's out there. See, the devil would like you to have the good. Our Lord Jesus Christ wants you to have the best. And that can only be found in him. Moses understood that. If you found Hebrews, the 11th chapter, let's all stand together as we read the... uh, as as we'll start in the the 24th verse, or actually I might stop back starting the 23rd and then, then move down to the, the 27th. The Bible teaches us, and it's speaking about the, the birth of Moses, in verse 23 it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, 
because they saw that he was a proper child or a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. I'll explain that in just a moment. But then the word of God continues on as as now we focus on, on Moses, where he says in verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense for the payment of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, he pressed on, as seeing him who is invisible. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd take your word as we read it, and God, that you would apply it within our lives. We recognize that you had the word of life. And I just pray that, Lord, that as your word just is applied to our hearts and to our mind, that, that, Father, today that we would be transformed. Your word is cleansing. Your word is holy, dear Father. Your word is life-giving. And I pray today, Father, that your word will settle on the heart of these, these graduating seniors, but not only them, but God, for each of us in this place. God, I pray that you would just rock our world today. I pray that, dear Father, that you'd shake us to our very cores and God, get our eyes focused on what they need to be focused on. And I just pray that you'd bless this time. I pray that most of all, that Christ would be glorified. And God, we'll be excited about serving him. So bless our time together, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Well, again, today's an exciting day, and and seniors, I am fired up for you. I'm just looking forward to what God does in your life and and, and what is God is is has in plan for you. Now, I was one of those uh, people, and uh, that that I can tell you, when it got graduation day, I was ready for it. I wasn't one of those that wanted to live in the old days and cry because I was getting out of school. Man, I was ready to bust them gates wide open. I'll just be flat honest with you. I was looking for what God had planned for me or, and getting out and earning a living and just being on with life. But one thing that is so exciting is that in a few nights, and actually in about two weeks, you'll be going across that graduation stage, that graduation ceremony, and there because of all of your hard work, and I understand that you worked hard from these past 13 years. Now, some people it takes 14 or 15, but for however long that you've worked, that you're going to be rewarded with a diploma. And one thing that is so very true, that is something that no one can ever take away from you. That once you have earned that degree and you've been rewarded that diploma, that's yours. And that diploma can be the foundation to help build your life upon. It does make a difference about preparing yourself. It does make a difference about having that certification where someone says that, yes, this person has worked hard and they have been rewarded this special degree. And throughout your life, you'll find that there's rewards around every corner. That you'll be rewarded for the hard work, but you know what? We can also find out that sometimes, if you're not careful, we'll be rewarded for the bad mistakes that we'll make. See, rewards come in good and in evil. But I want to share with you today the greatest reward. The world has so many things that they consider great rewards, but folks, Christ has something that's so much better. 
And that's what we find within this scripture today. And, and graduates, that's what I pray that you'd lock your eyes on to realize there's something out there that's even greater than what this world has to offer. And we're going to learn that through the life of Moses, as, as Moses was a beautiful example of that greater reward of seeking something better. And let's just stop this morning as we begin to break down and look at this. Let me give you a little bit of history about Moses. Moses was born in tough times. Tough times. As a matter of fact, his family were were slaves in Egypt. When the Israelites first went to Egypt, they went in a very favored way because Joseph, Joseph, a a, a Jewish person that that, that God in in his providential way uh, made the second highest in all of the land. And, and, And because his family was starving, he said, come on and live with me. A wonderful story. You Seniors, you heard about Joseph this morning, but how God took the bad times in his life and God, in, in, in a way that only God can, he turned them out for good and, and God blessed Joseph's family. And so they were in favor with the king. They were in favor with the, with the Pharaoh of the time and they, they lived in, in really the best part of the land. But that king died and Joseph had died and, and there, was a, there was another king or another pharaoh that did not know these people, but, but they multiplied, they, they were growing and the, the nation of Israel was growing because of the, the fertile land and God was blessing them. And, and later there became a pharaoh that, that began to get afraid. He says, you know what, pretty soon there's going to be more then than there are us. Although they're slaves, that, that if their nation quits, continues to grow within our land, they'll be more powerful than the Egyptians. And the Pharaoh first said, let's, let's start getting rid of these people. And, and he put a great burden upon them. But the more burden he put upon the people of Israel, the more they grew. And then he asked the midwives, he, he brought the midwives in and says, listen, a way that we, we, can, we can stop this growth is when Hebrew children are born, you, you kill if it's a son, well, thank God for the midwives. They couldn't do that. And they kind of teetered around, and, and the Pharaoh brought them in and says, I thought you were supposed to be killing the, the male child. And they says, you know what, those Hebrew children, boy, they are such good. Um, um, how am I going to say this? Huh? Deliverers. My dad would say that they, they, they were a good brood. They, they, they were good brooders. <laughs> he was a cattleman. <laughs> they were such good deliverers that they would deliver before we even get there. And God bless those midwife, midwives for that. And then he put a command on the people that every time a child is born, you take your child or have that child thrown into the Nile. How, just tell me how bad of times that would be. But that's the pressure that what these people were living under. But by faith, the Bible teaches us when Moses was born, his mother and father looked upon Moses. And the Bible says he was a proper, he was a beautiful child. And and I I don't know what all that signifies, but, but I tell you, by faith, they disobeyed the king's commands. And they kept that child. But man, it's, it's just hard to keep a child that as they grow, they're going to cry, they're going to make a fuss, and, and they knew that soon that they'd be found out. And after about three months, they knew that they had to do something with this child. And by faith, they took that child, they built a, a 
an ark or a basket, if you please, out of bulrushes or what we know as papyrus. They took that and they put, they put gummy substance, they put a tar substance around that. And, and folks, this is so beautiful because this is a picture of the ark that we find in Noah's day where, where there was pitch, and that's called the atonement that protected them from the floodwaters. And they placed that baby within the ark. And by faith, they, can, can you imagine how tough that would be for a mama? Just taking your baby and trusting God and pushing your baby out into the river and saying, God, you do what's best for my baby. By faith, that's what Moses' mama did. God blessed their faith. And folks, there's a lesson there. God blesses your faith. He blessed, just like the faith of the midwives, he blessed the faith of Jochebed, Moses' mama. Because right down the river bank was a, was a Pharaoh's daughter, and apparently she was out bathing with her servants. And, and this baby came by, and as soon as she saw that baby, someone said, that's one of the Hebrew children. And the Bible says that God opened her heart and wanted to take that baby onto herself. And just as it would, Moses' sister, which his mom had sent to kind of see what would happen to Moses, was standing there. She could have been one of the servants. And she says, you know what, do you want me to take that baby and take it to a Hebrew woman who can nurse that baby? And Pharaoh's daughter said, that would be a great idea. And his sister took Moses back to his very own mama to nurse him. And what's so cool about the story, Moses' daughter hired Moses' mama to nurse Moses. We studied this last week about how she poured into the life of Moses about the people of Israel because, because as, as she took that commandment to nurse, and again, this is what we studied last week in Mother's Day, it was more than physically nursing, but she poured her life into Moses. But still, he was raised in the king's palace. He was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But the Bible says when he became a man, he turned away from all of that. Think about that. He turned away from all the luxuries that the world have to offer. And that's what we want to study about today. Because graduates, the world's going to offer you a lot out there. But Moses realized there was something even better. Adults and young people, the world is going to offer you a lot. But you have to understand there's something better awaiting those who would persevere. So let's just look at the life of Moses. Let's just break this down and, and look at this as we move into this, this greater reward. And the first thing that I want to do is we stop and say that in the world's eyes, Moses had it all. He had everything. If anyone would have looked at Moses there in his younger years, they would think that cat has got it going on. As a matter of fact, how did it describe him? First of all, he had title. He had position. The, the word of God says he was a son of Pharaoh's daughter. You have to understand, Pharaoh was more than a king in the, in the eyes of many. He was a god. And he was a total king. I mean, he had total authority. And this was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses was, was a prince. 
Moses was the one that when, when, when he walked by, people would bow down that, that, that he, he had the name. That in Egypt, there seemed to be the name that was above every name. Title. Position. The Bible says not only did he have title and then he had position, but look what else it said about him. He had pleasure. Because it says that he turned away from the pleasures of Egypt. Now, Egypt was a place that would just be the, just, just the modern day America. That if you wanted to enjoy yourself, if you wanted to have everything your hearts desire, it was Egypt. And think about that. He was the Pharaoh's son. He had anything that his hearts desire. Who would say no to a prince? Who would say no to the son of Pharaoh's daughter? He had the best things to eat. He had the best clothes to wear. He had the best vehicles to drive. Anything that was the newest and the best in all the world, it was at his particular disposal. You know, he had relationships. What what girl would turn away? They, They would line up. For a guy like Moses, he had that title. He just had that air about him. And he had all the pleasure that his flesh would desire. Now, folks, that'd be hard to live in such a world, wouldn't it? But the Bible says he also had riches. He turned away from the riches of Egypt, the wealthiest nation in the world at that time. As a matter of fact, they got their riches because of, um, one, because of, of, of a guy named, named Joseph that, that would have been mo- just one of Moses' predecessors because when all the rest of the world was in famine, e- Egypt was flourishing and, and, and Joseph put together the plan where whole, the whole world would, would come to Egypt and, and pay for Egypt's wheat and barley. And so... Egypt was just flowing with money. And Moses was the king's son. Can you imagine that? Graduates of the world would say that Moses had arrived. The world would say, I mean, he, he would be on the cover of People magazine, Us magazine, on all your, all your modern you know, GQ and all. You know, he, he, would, he would be the man's man. He would be the one that, that people would be just slobbering over to follow and just to be hung out with and take a picture with him. And, and, and you're talking about the, the most eligible bachelor. He had to be the most eligible bachelor in all, bachelor in all the world. He had it all. All that the world would say that you needed. And I think it's interesting as we look back today, and even as as the Bible describes Moses, people haven't changed. Isn't that the very same things people seek for today? Isn't the very same thing that people seek for title and position? They they think if they can get a title or if they think they get a, a position that they'll be somebody? Or if they think that they can just engulf themselves with pleasure, that I can eat, drink, and be merry, and, and I can live for the day. And, 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 and isn't that what life is all about? That's how a lot of people live their life. Just give me pleasure. And also riches. 
Isn't the one that has the most toys when they die, don't they win? You know, it's, it's the neighborhood that we live in, the car that we drive, the clothes that we wear. Well, I know that that's what we see propagated through all of our advertisements and through the worlds that we live in. Folks, that's a lot of pressure to live by, and Moses was that guy. He had everything the world desired. The world would say that he had it all, but let's just move on. There's another important point here. But with all that the world had to offer, Moses knew there was more, something greater. With all, that, with all the title that he had, that, that he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, with all the pleasure that, that his flesh desired, of all the riches of Egypt, it would have been very easy for Moses to, to look at himself and say, look at me. But deep within his heart, he felt there was so much more. There was just a gnaw within the spirit. There has to be something better than this. I think about another man that 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 so much was a copy or was a was a a picture of Moses that, that lived many more years after him. But but he's also not only a king's son, but he was a, he was a king himself, and his name was Solomon. And in the very same way that, that, that Solomon had title, he had, he had riches, he, he had all the pleasure in the world that he wanted, but he knew that there was so much more. As a matter of fact, uh, graduates, he wrote a book about it. And that book is what we call Ecclesiastes. I'm going to ask you to turn back to Ecclesiastes. Um, that, that's right in the, the middle of your Bible right after Psalms, Ecclesiastes. I want you to look at the second chapter. I want to read a few verses to you. And this should be a wake-up talk, not only for our graduates, for everyone here today. That, that should be a, a, just a sounding bell, a, 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 just something that would cling against what the world says is successful. Solomon writes these words in, in Ecclesiastes, the second chapter. I'm going to just look at verse 1 through, uh, through, through 11. Solomon said these words, he says, I said in my heart, he said, this is what I said to myself. He says, go now and I will test you. I will prove you with mirth or with pleasure. He says, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to have an experiment. I'm going to go out and get all the pleasure I want. He said, therefore, enjoy pleasure. and Behold, this is also vanity. He says it was useless. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself into wine, yet acquaint my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold of folly, till I might see what, what was that good of the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their work. He said, I made me great works. He said, I tried pleasure. I, 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 tried, I tried wine. I tried laughter. He says, then I made me great works. I, I built me houses, I planted vineyards, I, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. He didn't say I built me a house, he said I built houses. He had houses all over Israel. He said I, 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 I made, I had, they had swimming pools. They had great gardens. He says I, I got me servants and maidens, and I had servants or slaves born into my house. 
also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. He says, I became the richest man that ever lived in Israel. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings in the provinces. I got me singers and men's uh, and the delights and the sons of men and musical instruments and, and all sorts. He didn't just buy the CDs and the MP3s. He owned the groups. I mean, I mean, any any major group out there, he says, you're mine. You just come sing to me. Listen to what he says in verse 10. He, 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 he says, so I, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem, and all my wisdom remained within me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion, all of my labor. Then I looked at all, and all the works that my hands had wrought, and on my labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of the Spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. How sad is that? A person that had everything, as a matter of fact, he says, I had everything my heart desired, but it was all vain. Friends, you know why it's all vain? He answered this in, 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 in the third chapter, verse 11, when Solomon said these words. He said in, in uh, the third chapter, verse 11, he says, He hath made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set the world in their hearts, and that the word, word world means he's put eternity in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And what he was saying that, that as, as much as the world has to offer us, God has placed eternity within the heart of man, and the world was never intended to satisfy our needs, dear friend. Because God has placed in the heart of every man just a, a hole that's the size of himself that the world can't fill. You can try to pack pleasure. You can try to pack riches. You can try to um, pack wisdom. But nothing's going to fill that, that hole within your heart other than eternity itself, and only God is eternal. And so no, no matter what the world may try to give you, and you think that's going to bring me satisfaction, there's going to be an emptiness there until you begin to put the right thing within his heart. See, that was the dilemma that Moses found himself in. He had title. He had pleasure. He had riches. But that did not satisfy the yearning that was in his heart. And I believe that he heard of that, he heard of that from his dear mother who had nursed him to tell him that there was so much more. You know, what reward, what could be out there that would cause Moses to do as described in this is where he would give up being called Pharaoh's daughter, the, 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 the son of Pharaoh's daughter? What would cause him to turn away from that? What would be so special that he would choose affliction rather than the pleasures of sin for a season? What would be so special of a reward that would, would, would cause him to turn away from, from all the, the riches of Egypt to esteem for the roach, reproaches of Christ? You, you need to ask yourself the question. And graduates, I challenge you this. 
the world's going to be pouring off. They're going to be telling you this is where it is. If you can get here, then you'll be happy. But I can tell you that's not that won't do it for you. There's something greater. And that's what Moses sought. Listen to what the Bible continues. See, Moses was seeking that greater reward, and that was his heavenly inheritance. Look what the Bible says in 13 through 16 of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. He says these words, or, um, or, or this is said of, of those before Moses came. Talks about Abraham and Sarah and um, those that came before him. Listen to what the Bible describes as they describe that reward. It says, These all died in faith, not received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims of the earth. For they that, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That which is that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see, they looked for something heavenly. They looked for that heavenly city that was not of this world. That was what Moses had set his eyes on. He realized there was so much more than what this world was happened, and the reward of uh, he knew that the reward of heaven was greater than anything that the world had to offer. That's why Abraham could live his life wandering as a stranger within the land. That's why Sarah could live her life in Isaac and Jacob. And that's what Moses did. He looked for something better than this world. People, you're going to get to the time in your life when you begin to realize if the world is all there is, that's a sad state to live. Because the world, with all of its riches, with all of its pleasure, with all of its fame, is full of heartache. And folks, no matter how we live our lives, no matter what titles we may receive, no matter how much money's in our bank account, or, or how much pleasure we have indulged in, we're all, going to lit, we're all going to wind up in the same place if God tarries. And that's in a grave. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of our sin is death. And you can't take anything of those worlds with you. But see, Moses understood that. He understand. What if I have title, but I don't have heaven? What if I indulge myself in the pleasures for a season, but I don't have heaven? What if I have all the money that this world has to offer, but I don't have heaven? Then what do I have? And Moses recognized that there had to be something much more because because God has placed eternity within my heart, even as Solomon would say later. That even if I live to be a hundred years old on this earth, what does that mean compared to eternity? 
And why should I get so caught up in pleasure for a season, in riches for a season, of having title for a season, when that season maybe be a hundred years old and that's not even a blip or a dot on the line of eternity? And Moses was wise enough to realize there's something so much greater and that something was that heavenly hope that could be only found in Jesus Christ. And that's what he set his eyes upon. He knew there was something so much better than what Egypt had to offer him. You know, it was Jesus who said these words. And Jesus spoke these words when he says in, in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth or rust is corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust is corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will you be your heart also. I love how Paul said it in Colossians, when he, when he said in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, he says, If you then or were, were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God. If, if Christ has redeemed you, don't look lower at this world. Anytime, let me talk to you, graduates, let me talk to you, adults. Anytime you set your eyes on anything this world has to offer, you're living a lower level of living. Christ has so much more for you. You're settling for less is when you settle for the world. And Paul says if you, if you are one of Christ, then set your eyes on above. That's where Christ is. And then he continued to say in verse 2 of Colossians, the third chapter, he says, set your mind or set your affection on things above, not on the things of this earth. Graduates, if you could grasp that. It's not saying that the things of this earth is, is God does not want you to have possessions or God does not want you to enjoy. That's not what it's saying. But you're not to worship those things. Because what will happen is the very good things that God has intended for you to enjoy, they will be become gods of your life. You'll spend your life pursuing title. You'll spend your life pursuing pleasure. You'll spend your life pursuing riches. And all those things are vain. They're all going to pass away. There's only one thing that you can pursue that's going to touch you for eternity, and that's Jesus Christ and his heavenly hope. And that's what I challenge you to set your eyes upon. Let's stop and think about why is heaven so great? Why is that such a greater reward? Because that's, that's what it says of Moses is when it says, in verse 26, he says, let me just read that whole passage of verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And boy, I can say amen to that because, yes, sin is fun for a season. And then it's payday someday. And then it says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward, speaking about that heavenly inheritance. Why is heaven so good? 
think we need to stop and we need to study that. We need to ask ourselves as if, listen, when I live in this flesh, I have to enjoy, I have to say, I enjoy pleasure. Hey, it's pretty good to have a little bit of money in the, in your pocket, a little bit in the bank. I, you know, I can't, I can't say that's not, you know, it's good to have a, a little bit of title where, where people honor you. But why is heaven so much better than what this world has to offer? Because, folks, you're going you're going, to you're going chase after that which has your heart and which has your understanding. First of all, I submit to you that, that the heaven is going to be so much better because, first of all, there's the unhindered presence of God in heaven. For most people and throughout history, God, was, God is a very abstract idea. He cannot be seen. He cannot be touched. He's, he's something that seems to be far away. That's the difference of the Hebrew God because God introduced himself to the people of Israel. He was not a God that seemed to be far away. He came down and gave himself a name. He was Jehovah, the, the God that, that is there. He, he's, he's the one that, that's going to walk amongst us. But even in the Hebrew culture, that, that when, when people came to meet God, there was a great veil that stood between them and God. They had to have a, a priest represent them before God. They still couldn't touch God. They still couldn't see God. They were, they were put away from the presence of God. And so therefore, the, the very idea of God was still a little bit clouded. Thank God for the coming of Jesus Christ where God became flesh He came and walked among us. He died for our sins. When he died for our sins, the Bible says the the veil was rent into... Man had a a direct, direct access to the presence of God. But still, we have to live by faith. I can't say that I've reached out and touched God or I've, I've seen God. No, I've seen the hand of God. I've seen the fingerprints of God. I felt the, the, the spirit of God within my hands, but, but I still have to live by faith. When I get to heaven, my faith is going to be turned aside. There won't be a veil. There won't be any faith. That one day I'm going to see God. Isn't that incredible? You know, I don't have to have, tell, have someone tell me this is what God looks like, and I don't have to look at some weird picture of the drawing of Jesus that has blonde hair and blue eyes and all of this stuff. I'll see him face to face. In all the glory where the, the Bible says the sun's going to refuse, or, you know, there's the songs, the sun's going to refuse to shine because there, there'll be no need for sun because of the glory of God. And so they're totally unhindered, the presence of God. Folks, that is going to, that's going to be a 10,000-year wow moment. You know, we're just going to sit there just in awe for, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, just amazed at the very presence and the glory of God. That should be enough right there. But I but think also... That when we get to heaven, there's going to be the splendid glory of God's creation. That everything's going to be restored. We're going to, we're going to see the world how God intended it. 
The Bible says that, you know, now we see with eyes that are dim. And, and you know, we, we can only think about what heaven's going to be like and, and through our minds. And, and Paul says, you know, of that place, you know, that, that words can't even express it. I'll give you a little bit of an example. When I was a kid, when we, the only TV we had was black and white. And normally you had to stomp the floor because it would get fuzzy. You know, we had two channels back then. And, and um, I know you kids think, well, man, you just, you just grew up in, you know, uh, just hundreds of years ago. Oh, that's hundreds of years ago. And, man, the, there was a, just a famous movie that came out that it, they showed it every year. And that was before cable, so you only got to see things when those two channels, Channel 4, Channel 12, played them. And that was The Wizard of Oz. You remember that? Every year they'd play The Wizard of Oz, and that was always a big thing for a kid to see The Wizard of Oz. See, I always saw The Wizard of Oz on a black and white TV. And I'd hear about other people that had color TV. About, they, they said that there was a horse of changing colors. Well, all it was that he changed a few, he grew one from one gray to another gray. You know, I never saw that. Yeah, the yellow brick, brick road was just a, was a brick road to me. And one day I went to my friend's house. I spent the night because they were watching The Wizard of Oz on their color TV. And wow, did everything change. When I saw just the splendor, I realized I hadn't even been really, I hadn't really seen Wizard of Oz until I saw it on color TV. Man, just with colors and, and all the brilliance of the color. And if you would, if you would compare the color TV back in, 19, in the 60s as compared to today, you know, because they went to Technicolor and then digital and, and all the pixel stuff. And, you know, just say it gets brighter and brighter and brighter today with the new technology. What I'm saying, dear friends, the world has, can't even develop enough of pixels to re- reveal what heaven really looks like. Our eyes within this corrupt world could not, in this corrupt world, couldn't even stand the brilliance and see all the multicolor of what heaven's going to be. We think that we might see a beautiful picture in a beautiful setting. But when we get to heaven, we're going to see the beauty of God's creation with perfect eyes in perfect, vivid color. Again, we're just going to, that's going to be another 10,000 years. Once we finally can, can, can get settled on, you know, seeing the glory of God, just seeing the creation around us, it's going to be absolutely perfect. And can you imagine living in a place that's also free from sin? A place where there'll be no more death? A place where there'll be no more heartache? A place where there'll be no more angry words? A place where there'll be no more jealousies? A place where there'll be no more one-upmanship? No one will ever stab you in the back. You see, because in heaven there'll be no sin. 
Again, our minds cannot even go there because we live in a corrupt world. Can I imagine living in a place that I don't even have any corruptness within my own heart? Recently, as I was spending time with the Lord and he began to reveal something, he's been doing this over the last few, few, few weeks and just beginning to show some sin and some, some thoughts in my life that shouldn't be there. And I, I wrote on my prayer list, God, you help me overcome this because it so frustrates me. It seems like sometimes the harder I try to live for Christ, the more wicked my thoughts want to become sometimes. And, and I made that on my prayer list. God, help me deal with this issue in my life. Can I imagine living in a place where I don't even have any bad thoughts? See, that's what heaven's going to be. And not only that, a place that, to be able to get into that place, people pay $100 to get into Disney World today. The payment it's going to cost to get into heaven is going to be the blood of Jesus Christ. The greatest price that was ever paid. And so you know it's got to be good. If it took the blood of Jesus Christ to get me into this place, how good is it going to be? And not only that, but the honor of knowing that I've been invited by the righteous judge himself, the king of kings, to come on in. See, it's not only going to be the glory, but just the honor of being there because I've been invited by the king himself. Moses was the son of the daughter of an earthly king. But Moses says there's something better because I'm going to be son, son of the king of kings. The riches of Pharaoh are going to pale in significance to the riches of heaven. The pleasure that I might get on this earth is going to be, be minute. It's not even going to be compared to the pleasures that I find in heaven. And the honor of being in the presence of the king of kings himself. That's what Moses had said. He says, that's the reward I want. Nothing in this earth will compare to what Jesus Christ will give me on that day. And Moses says, that's what I want. And I challenge you, young people, I challenge you adults to set your eyes on Jesus Set your eyes on thing above because that's where he is and, and whatever he gives us will, will, what, will, will just absolutely overwhelm anything of this world. But let me just close with this. Receiving this reward, it's not easy. Yeah, we receive it by faith, Absolutely. But that faith is going to take us some places that some people is not willing to pay the price. 
See, when I receive Christ by faith, when I receive that reward by faith, I, by, by receiving it by faith, what it means on the, on the flip side of that is I'm repenting from, from the world behind me. When I, when I by faith, I, I reach out for Christ, that means I'm turning my back on the world behind me. That's exactly what Moses did. He says, I've become a child of the king. I'm no longer the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm receiving the blessings and the glory of Christ, and so therefore I'm turning my back on the pleasures of sin. He says, I am, I am receiving my inheritance of the heavenly riches, and so therefore I'm turning my back on the world. It's not easy. If it's so easy, then why hasn't everyone signed up? The Bible says many are called, but only few are chosen. Many, many, only a few receive this inheritance. Because most get caught up with the, with the, with the desires of the world. But I can tell you, friends, it's well worth the cost. One of my favorite quotes is by Jim Elliott, a missionary that was actually martyred in South America. And they found in his, in his diary these words, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Man, I love that. He is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see, Moses was not a fool. Now, there's probably a lot in Moses' days that thought Moses has went off the deep end that why in the world would he, 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 he leave title? Why would he leave pleasure? Why would he leave riches to follow God? He's a fool. But, but Moses realized, I'm not going to be able to keep these things anyhow. I'm going to die one day. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take hold of that which I'll never lose, and that's heaven. And so Moses wasn't a fool. Matter of fact, he knew exactly what he was doing. And young people, you'll not be a fool when you turn away from those things. You're not going to be able to keep anyhow and grab hold of that. You'll never lose, and that's Jesus Christ. It's well worth. It's well worth the cross. It can only be received through faith. It can only be received through denial of self, of, of making Jesus the Lord of your life. It can only be say, uh, received, as, as Ms. Wanisu taught you this, through perseverance, you pressing on, because there's going to be times you're going to be, be wanting to give up. But folks, it's, the Bible says it's for those who persevere shall be saved. The best way to know the, the certainty of someone's salvation is not what they say right now, but it's just to watch them through the years. There's a lot of people who are flashing the pans, man. They, 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 they are... They are Great Jesus freaks for a few years, and then you can't find them. You give me that person that just keeps on persevering, that person that just keeps on keeping on. But you need to also have an attitude of expectation, realizing there's so much more. That's, again, why Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, my labors are going to be rewarded one day, and that's at the goal of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. So young people, I challenge you today. Set your eyes on things above. Look at Moses. Moses was seeking a greater reward. 
He was seeking that so much more than what this world had to offer. But I speak to every man, every woman, every child in this place today. What are you seeking after? Are you seeking after that which the world says is success? Well, that's going to pass away one day. I challenge you to seek Jesus. I challenge you to set your eyes on those things above and not on the things below. But you can only receive that reward through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for all have sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're all going to die because of our sin if, if, if our Lord tarries. But we don't have to die in our sins. We can receive Jesus Christ as our Lord. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what that means, that just doesn't mean giving some lip service to Jesus. That means coming to that point in your life where you realize it's Christ and Christ alone where you just have that cry out to God, that God, I need you. The greatest words you can ever say to God is, God, I need you. As a parent, there's nothing that brings me greater joy than when I have one of my daughters call up and say, Daddy, I I need you to help me. And you can hear it in their voice that, hey, Daddy, I, I need you. I can tell you when Daddy hears that voice, he's ready to respond to think that they would call upon me. We have a heavenly daddy. His name is God the Father. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon God the Father shall be saved. I ask you to call upon Jesus today. Only he, only he can bless you with that heavenly reward. You may be living life to the hilt right now, you know, you might have drove up this morning. You had a car that everybody desires you. Man, you went and bought you some nice clothes. You want to look good and, you know, and because in, even to the, this morning, your life was, was what everybody else thinks about you. But let me ask you, what do you think about yourself? The Bible says God has placed eternity within your heart. What does God think about you? That's the important question. He's not impressed. He's not impressed. I invite you to Jesus Christ today. I invite you today to a greater reward, and that's heaven. Would you bow your head with me? And as you bow your head, I'm going to ask you to consider this question. What are the things you seek in life? Well, what if you were like Moses and you, you had everything the world desired? You, you had title. You, you were the, you, people were just so impressed about who you were. And, and, and maybe, hey, maybe you, you've, been, you've been living in the pleasures of sin. And for a season, it's felt good. And maybe, maybe you have a good job. You've got a good bank account. Let me ask you, is that really satisfying you? Is that, that really, really satisfying you? I'm telling you, friend, there's so much more. Because you may look good on the inside, but deep on the inside, there may be a yearning in your heart that there's got to be something more than this. What I ask you today is call upon God. 
You may just want to admit to God today, and that's through confession, that, hey, God, I might look good on the outside, but I am miserable on the inside, and God, I need you. I know I'm a sinner, and I know my sin separates me from you. But God, I today, I have to place my trust in you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he, he, he was buried. He took my sins to the grave, but he overcame the power of death and rose again on the third day. I believe that Jesus Christ paid for my sins. And I believe that he has something better awaiting me. And so God, today, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. I claim that heavenly reward. I claim that eternal reward of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Now give me the strength to walk with you day by day. Give me the courage that Moses had to forsake title, to forsake pleasure, to forsake riches, because I know now I have a heavenly title. I have heavenly pleasure, and I have heavenly riches. Thank you, God, for saving me. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to your heart today? In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to have the team lead us in a hymn of invitation. And, and, and maybe there's some of you that need to respond today. I'll tell you one thing about Moses. He wasn't a secret Christian. He stood up for God. And I think that's what God wants some of you today is to stand up for him. Not being ashamed. And one thing about Moses wasn't ashamed. And that's what God wants you to do today. As we stand in just a moment, there's some of you that needs to come and say, hey, I just prayed to ask Jesus as my Lord for the first time, and I'm not ashamed of that, and I want to tell people about that. I'm going to invite you to come and let us talk with you about your, about your decision for Christ. There's some of you that need to come today and just need to bow down and say, Lord, I, I need to be more like Moses. I need to be more like Moses. Some of you may need to come and just praise God, hold your hands up, praise God for my heavenly reward. I've got so much better than what this world needs to offer. You need to to bless his name today. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I invite you to come even now as we stand, as our team begins to sing.